All right. Well, good morning, and welcome to the Family Bible Hour once again. Last week, we had a wonderful message on mother or mothers by our brother Chris Lee. And I love listening to his messages because he is a master at forming acronyms and incorporating them into his messages. Last week's acronym was MOTHER, the first letter uh, standing for managers, one of the things that mothers have to be, managers of the household and family. And as I thought on that first letter, the word matchless also comes to my mind. The matchless Christ. And so I have decided to take a bit of a break from the book of Exodus and speak on our matchless Christ. For quite some time, it has been a concern of mine that many Christians are departing from their first love and are being lured away from him by the activities and burdens of the world. We need to be reminded constantly of how precious Christ is and how blessed we are to know him as our own Savior and Lord and that we need to give him the preeminence over all those other activities. After all, each one of us will face him one day and have to give an account of how we faithfully served him. Thus, I have chosen for our main text for this morning, Mark chapter 4, verses verse 41. So if you still have your Bibles handy, would you all please turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for the word of God that so beautifully describes him and presents him to us in his full beauty. Father, as we open the text this morning before us. We pray that the Spirit of God will once again thrill our lukewarm hearts with our blessed Savior. For we ask it all in his name and for his glory. Amen. A long time ago, the late Ernest C. Manning delivered a series of sermons focusing on the various aspects of Christ as presented in the Holy Scriptures. I was at the time a very new Christian, a mere babe in Christ. But those series so moved me and impressed upon me in the importance of the person of Christ that I was never the same. I so loved his presentation of Christ that I wrote to him asking for his permission if I could share some of those thoughts from the pulpit at some future date. He, of course, was delighted that I was so moved and wholeheartedly gave me his permission. And so this morning I have decided to deliver to you a similar presentation 
using as my main text Mark chapter 4, verse 41. What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? In all the universe, wrote Manning, there never has been or ever will be another being who remotely compares to him. He was and is and always will be distinct from all others. This entire physical universe, which came into being at his command, will someday dissolve and disappear in response to another command from his divine lips. End of quote. The scriptures say in John chapter 5, verse 28, 29, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, for they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Every person's eternal destination depends upon their personal relationship with him, to know him, and to be known of him is life eternal, not to know him, and not to be known of him is eternal death. The life and status of every human being since the time began either has or will yet be profoundly touched and affected by him. Christ's imprint on the society of this earth and every person in it already far exceeds that of any other person. An unknown author, writing of the matchless Christ, once said this about him, quote, Born of a peasant woman in an obscure village, he worked in a carpenter shop until 30 years of age, then was an itinerant preacher for three years. He never went to college, never wrote a book, never held an office, never visited a large city. In fact, he never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. When he was only 33, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends forsook him. One of them betrayed him. Another denied that he ever knew him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was falsely condemned, mocked, scourged, and crucified on a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he possessed. When he was dead, he was buried in a grave that belonged to another man. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as he. End of quote. Now let's turn to the Bible and see what the Bible says of him. The book of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 begins with these words. 
God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice, please, the status which God assigns here to his son, Jesus Christ. He is the heir of all things and the creator, not just of this world, but of all the worlds, that is, the entire universe. And he is also the brightness of God's own glory and the express image of his divine person, the upholder and sustainer of everything that exists. The Apostle John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, speaks of Christ's glory. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Apostle Paul, in the first chapter of his letter to the Colossians, in verses 15 to 17, describes Christ also as the creator of all things and as the image of the invisible God. Speaking of Christ, Paul says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Then again, in the second chapter of the same letter, Paul affirms that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, and that Christ is the head of all principalities and powers, and that in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Later, when the Apostle Paul writes his first letter to Timothy in chapter 6, verses 15 to 16, he describes Christ in this way, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the lights which no man can approach unto. Then the statements which Jesus Christ made concerning himself are most significant and could never have been made by any other person who ever lived. He said concerning himself in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then in John 10, 9, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved 
and shall go in and out and find pasture. And before that, he had said in John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life that cometh, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger. And later in that same gospel of John, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Surely no man has said such things before, nor ever after. And so after all of that lengthy introduction, let us turn our attention to what the Bible tells us about the preeminent, pre-existent Christ. That is his status and role before he took on himself a human form when he came into this world as the babe of Bethlehem. One of the cardinal truths affirmed in Scripture is the existence of one infinite, omnipotent, eternal, and self-existent triune God. Of everything that exists, God alone is eternal. He had no beginning, just as he will have no end. He always was and he always will be. Now, such a truth staggers our finite human minds. We are creatures of a realm in which everything has a beginning and has an ending. We cannot possibly comprehend a realm where there, this is not so, a realm where time does not exist, a realm of God, the omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, all-present, immutable or unchangeable, eternal living spirit who always existed and will never cease to exist. The Bible, which is God's revelation of himself, affirms that God is a divine person, a triune spirit being, combining in one eternal Godhead three distinct personalities. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three divine persons, equal in attributes, and yet capable of functioning separately while at the same time comprising only of one eternal Godhead. This is a divine mystery beyond the full comprehension of our finite minds. In this presentation, we are concentrating on what is revealed in the Bible concerning the second member of that divine, eternal trinity, namely God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the scriptures, he is given many names, each of them significant. Isaiah 9, 6 calls Christ by five different names. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The name, the Mighty God, affirms his deity, while the name Everlasting Father affirms his eternal existence. In John 1, verses 1 to 3, Christ is called the Word, and the passage affirms both his deity 
and his pre-existence. It reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. To many today, these seem like contradictory statements, but they are not. Because Christ, the eternal word, was God. There was never a time in eternity past in which Christ did not exist. Christ had no beginning. He always existed. When it came to the creation of man, the book of Genesis in 1.26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice, please, the plural pronouns. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is the triune God speaking. And so man was created a tripart being, having a body, which makes him earth conscious or conscious of the physical surroundings around him. A soul, which makes him self-conscious, and a spirit, which makes him God-conscious. That is what sets man above and apart from all the other living creatures. Christ himself, while on this earth, made many statements concerning his pre-existence before he took his human form. In John 8:56, when speaking to the Jews, he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. But the Jews angrily replied, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him, as many would do today. For what he was telling them was hard to believe. He was telling them that he was alive before Abraham was even born. This to them could mean nothing other than Jesus was claiming to be God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then in his prayer to God his Father, on the night of his betrayal, we read in John 17, 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And again, in that same prayer in verse 24, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Throughout the Old Testament record of God's dealings with mankind, particularly his chosen people Israel, the pre-existent Christ was frequently involved. He was that angel of the Lord who conveyed God's covenant promise to Abram. That's why he could say, 
Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Turning to Genesis 17, 1, we read, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And then skipping down to verses 15 and 16, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Christ was also Israel's preserver and protector during their wilderness journey. He was that pillar of fire by night and pillar of cloud by day that led them. In Exodus 13, verses 21 to 22, we read, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them that way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Christ was also that spiritual rock that followed them, which the Apostle Paul identifies in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. We read the account. Uh, we read the account in Exodus 17, verse 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out water of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Oh, the matchless task that Jesus Christ had before he came into this world as the babe of Bethlehem. No wonder the prophet Micah, when predicting centuries in advance his birth in human form in Bethlehem, said of that little town, Out of thee, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Let me take this moment to answer the unbelievers. There are those who falsely believe that there are human beings that have lived who are just as important as Christ. Yes, there are those who claimed even a more important status. I think in particular of a rock group that broke into the music scene in the early 1960s called the Beatles. At their prime of popularity, one of the members, John Lennon, uttered these words, We're more famous than Jesus Christ. And less than two decades after he, after that statement, he was killed by an assassin. And I'm certain that now he ever regrets having said that. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ was not just the greatest man that ever walked this earth. He was and still is the eternal and almighty God. He took upon himself the form of a man for the suffering of death 
says the Bible. He became a human being in order that he might bear in his human body the penalty of the sins of the entire human race so that a way might be opened whereby sinful man could be forgiven and restored to fellowship with the holy God who created them in the first place. Jesus Christ was both very God and very man at one and the same time. When he died for our sins in our place, it was much more than a good man dying for his fellow man. It was God incarnate, accepting death in the place of his human creatures, that they might be given an opportunity to escape the eternal consequences of their rebellion against him and his immutable laws of righteousness and truth. And how tragic it is today that in this marvelous country of Canada, there are so many false religions devised and disguised as true by the God of this world, Satan. And perhaps there are some here this morning who have not yet put their faith or trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and sin bearer. Let me encourage you to do so while there is yet still some time. For there is only one holy book this side of heaven, and it's called the Holy Bible. All others claim to be so as well, but they all fall short of God's divine mark. And that mark is prophecy, the prophecy of things to come. And also in this holy book, it is clearly stated in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And Christ's own words are still in effect today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, dear friends, won't you trust him to be your Savior today if you haven't done so yet? He still loves you and still wishes to save you. May God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee so much for our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom is salvation for the entire world. And Father, our hearts are grieved to see all of these other false religions that have captivated the hearts of people into believing that there may be another way into thy graces. But thy word is perfectly clear that there is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved, and that is the Lord Jesus. There is none who went to the cross of Calvary and took upon himself our sins and nailed them to that cross so that we might be set free. Father, we have a matchless Savior, an incredible, loving, wonderful Savior, Oh, that we might be able to joyfully share him with the lost around us. We thank thee for this opportunity today to gather together as thy people to remember him and what he has accomplished for us. And if he be not come next Lord's Day, may it please thee, Lord, to bring us together again around his table. For we ask it always in his name and for his glory. Amen.